welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Rebecca, and I am your host for the next half an hour or so. And so last week we talked about, here on Unchurched, we talked about unforgiveness, about forgiveness and how to forgive. Well, not how to forgive, but really the biblical commandment to forgive and how people will qualify that and add different things and like only if I'll only for I will forgive them if this this if they meet certain criterias but how God wants us to forgive people and um I think that some application is in order here so some examples and I would like to share with you from my life some stories of some people that some of them are family members and some of them are people that I have come across the way. And then, of course, there are people that I haven't seen since um, the occurrences. Uh, In my life, as I'm sure in yours, there is an opportunity for the longer that you live, you have... um, the more opportunity to commit sin. And then you also have the more opportunity to run into other people who offend you, who sin against you, who do things you don't like. And um, whether that looks like taking advantage of you or um, calling you names or disrespecting you, uh, the list is huge and enormous that we can go on about. But um, I do want to, and I, I feel that I need to discuss what and and to share with you what it looks like from the end of forgiving somebody um, and why it's important to do so. So in my family, um, my uh, I had an uncle who's now passed on and he's now with Jesus. But um, when I was very young, He's only a few years younger than my mother. And my mother was very young when she got married. Um, But he was like the youngest person out of his siblings. And so my father's considerably older than him. His sister, my aunt, is considerably older than him. And so he was the baby of an older couple that just treated him like a grandchild and spoiled him rotten as as a as a as a child. Um, he wasn't disciplined very much, and as a result, um, he became a very wild adult. He ended up um, uh, getting involved with drugs um, at a very young age in high school. Apparently, he had OD'd. And it caused some brain damage to him. Um, And then he also had some other learning disabilities as well as that. And either they were caused from that or they were a result of that. Whatever happened is that he, um, it didn't help him in his journey through life. He ended up doing a lot of part-time jobs, um, traveling from place to place, doing a lot of oddball things. And he had a very wanton lifestyle, meaning that he um, had lots of women in his life that were not necessarily a girlfriend. Um, but he ended up marrying a one of these women. And 
Um, she was not the most exciting person to be around. She wasn't very kind. Um, he wasn't really typically a very kind person either. So there were two very selfish people that were thrown, that, um, enjoyed using, um, things together and causing problems and causing problems for each other. Well, um, and they had a very tumultuous relationship because of that. So when I was young, and before I headed into junior high, um, my uncle uh, got in into an altercation with his wife, which resulted in her death and then resulted in him going to prison for a number of years, which he then um, uh, almost did. He did about seven or eight years before they let him out on good behavior. But... Um, he got out and then this is what my family did because my family, um, they had helped him before this, um, with, um, they had a business and, um, they were renting out the business, loaning out the business um, to another person, and then that person was not able to, and then they loaned it out to my uncle, and then in the middle of that, my family had to retake over the business because um, he was unable to conduct business from jail. <laughs> so, um, and it was a totally legitimate business. It was... Um, it was basic. It was basically animal boarding, so it wasn't um, anything shady. But um, my uncle, he ended up in jail. Now, my a lot of people will just let their family um, just kind of well. Oh well, they did that. That's horrible. I'm never going to associate with that person because they've murdered somebody. Or because, you know, whatnot. So my what my family did is that they supported him through this. Not with the, oh, we don't mind that she's gone. It's not like that. It was like my family was like, this is terrible. He's in jail. There's a person who is dead who we had accepted into our family um, and we were nice to her. And even though she wasn't the best person, this is absolutely not what we envisioned for her or him. And so what my family did is they um, helped pay for uh, some attorney fees and they helped pay for um, some other some other stuff, which put my family into kind of a hardship for that. And then once he was convicted, we didn't drop um, communications with him. We left communication lines of communication open with him. When he would call, we would accept. Uh, he had to call collect, which I don't know if you know what collect is um, or if they have that anymore. But when you had a landline, you could, instead of having um, the charges be sent to somebody, uh, instead of you paying for the phone call, um, you could have some the receiving person pay for the phone call, but it was like way more expensive than just a regular phone call to do that. And so, and you had to do that from prison because there were no phone card, there were no cards, there were no um, to purchase that was, you, you had to, he had to dial collect and we never knew when he was going to call. <laughs> 
because um, he's in prison and thing, they do, do things differently in prison. So when we would get a phone call from him, we would accept it and then chat with him on the phone. Um, my grandmother would go, his mother would go and visit him. Um, my family would go and visit him. Like my parents would go visit him because we um, were not um, able to go visit him. But um, as children... But uh, they, it was more or less talking to him as, as giving him, um, just listening to him talk about things that, not necessarily stuff that was in prison, but um, also talking about our lives. So it was, it was um, giving him a sense of normalcy um, while he was in prison and that he had family and he had connection. When he did get out of prison, he wasn't, um, it's very difficult for somebody who's been in prison to find a normal job. And so my family, again, assisted him in either um, helping, trying to help him establish getting, getting, um, having his own uh, job or getting him situated in a, um, as an employee for the business, which he didn't really care for um, the business of animal uh, boarding, but he, uh, he, he did try different things and he'd talk about different things. And my parents would try to set him up with something and he would inevitably fail at it. It was very expensive for my parents to do that. And then, um, and he spent a lot of time and he spent a lot of money, um, getting into debt on, um, drinking and, um, spending time in, um, hotels in cities that were very close by for whatever reason. And they were not very great hotels either, but he spent a lot of money on those sorts of things. And so my family would, constantly bail him out now I know that you're probably thinking oh my gosh this sounds expensive this sounds like why are you enabling him and his behavior we weren't enabling him or his behavior because he was if we had known that that's what he was doing with his um, money I I'm sure that he would be have gotten less funds for it but um for what he was doing or that um they would pay you know that his stuff would have been paid off more readily well he eventually um ended up moving into family property and living with my husband and I um for the first 12 years of our marriage we lived with him um well he lived with us and he he um let me tell you it was an exercise in forgiveness and at the time that he was living with us um he'd come from he he so here we have a raging alcoholic who would sing late into the night and <laughs> horribly <laughs> along with the, the most hardcore rock music play his guitar that was out of tune along with it and um it was it was torturous and but and we would ask him nicely to please turn down the guitar, turn down the music, and it would be okay for like a night or two. And then it would start all over again. And now, 
at this point in time, I also had a lot of unforgiveness in my, that I had not dealt with. Um, and, and it was being also transferred to my uncle because we did have several verbal spats and arguments. But um, once I began, once I was convicted in my heart that I needed to forgive um, the church that I had been a part of, that had where I had a lot of church hurt, and I and I realized that um, I was confronted by a friend, and she's like, "Why are you constantly talking about this?" She's like, "We don't attend this church anymore. You live far away. Why?" why do you always talk about this? And I was, she's like, there is something wrong. And I'm so thankful that she um, confronted me on that because I realized when she said what she said, that I had unforgiveness and I needed to forgive the people in the church and I needed to forgive the pastor and I needed to forgive all those people for um, basically letting me down. And so I started that process. And then when I started that process, I also realized that I needed to walk in forgiveness towards my uncle as well. Now, um, and so I really just focused on loving him instead of trying to condemn him or try to correct his behavior. Because the more you would try to correct his behavior, the more he would push back and the worse he would get. So um, it was a lot of, well, he did this and then, um, he, or he'd take money from us and then it'd show up randomly later. But, um, it was more, more or less of, well, if you need to borrow money, I would hope that you would ask me. Cause at one point in time he said, Hey, if you ever need to borrow money, you don't have to ask me, just take it. And I was like, that's such a weird thing to say. And I understand, and I just knew I, it was, okay, I, I, I now understand the situation here and where my money, I'm not going crazy. I know where my money's going now and why it then suddenly shows up again. Uh, so I, and I said, you know, I would hope that you would ask to borrow money from me because, you know, from, from my husband and I, because we'd be more than happy to, you know, you don't have, you you know, uh, I would ask you because that's what I would expect from you. And if you ever need to borrow money from me, from us, you can borrow money from us, but just ask. And I think he felt he was just, he got really quiet after that. Um, but what ultimately, um, began now he'd been through AA, he'd been raised in church. He'd been through a lot of things, but um, what ultimately <coughs> was, um, I believe the turning point for him, uh, was an instance where it could have gone really bad for me. So one night, um, my husband had gone to bed in the other room and I fell asleep on the couch playing Xbox game, video games. I, I don't even remember the game I was playing, but, um, I, I was sitting there playing a video game and then I fell asleep and I woke up with, um, a man standing over me that I had never seen before. And, um, it was not a pleasant way to be woken up. And, um, the dog, our dog was standing right there just 
very con- had this very concerned look on her face. The guy, um, he was bending, he was bending over me, and I and he pulled back, and I said, "Can I help you?" Not. Not in a, um, like, can I help you with what you're doing, but can I help you as if, as in like a customer service, like you, you just walked into a hotel or you did not, not, not that our house is a hotel, but like you just walked into, um, like a lobby of someplace and I am, you know, can I get you to where you need to go kind of a thing. And so I was like, uh, can I help you? And the, the man said, uh, I'm I'm started profusely apologizing. Um, I could tell that he was kind of inebriated um, from on something. And then he stood there and he patted the dog for a little bit. And I asked him again, is there anything that I can help you with? And he's like, no. It's like, okay. Um, and I just stood there and it was really awkward. And eventually he it like after a few minutes of him petting the dog he's like I think I should go and I was like probably and so I didn't I wasn't super alarmed I didn't give him the impression that um that I was upset or that I was I mean because when you're dealing with somebody that you don't know and you don't know how they're going to react um the best way to is to stay remain calm because it could have been so much worse than it could than it was. Um, but he eventually got up and I was like, I have no idea where this guy came from. I'm thinking to myself, where did he come from? How did he like, did we leave the door unlocked? Because we often did. And we don't anymore. We always lock our doors. But um, he went and he got it collected his shoes, which were over on in my uncle's um, room. And then I was like, uh, okay. I was like, uh, how did, it's like, is your car outside? He's like, no. I was like, okay. Um, do you, he's like, I'll, I'll just go home. I was like, okay. So he put his shoes on. I watched him put his shoes on, made sure that he left, which he left through the basement, which meant that he came in through the basement of, uh, which is, it's a daylight basement, which is the way that my, um, uncle always came in the house. He never came in through the other door, um, through the entryway. He did on rare occasions, but, um, it was easier for him to sneak in and out by going through the basement. And so I was like, okay, I know why this guy's here and how he got here. And it wasn't the first person that he'd brought home. Um, I was surprised that it was a man and, um, the, so the guy got his shoes on, he left. And as soon as he got out the door, I locked the door and I called the police and I knew that I had an opportunity in this moment is that I could explain in very detail, very detailed to the police officers because, um, what the guy had started to do was not appropriate and was end up sending this young man to jail. Um, had I decided to be absolutely sure and say that he had done what he had done. Um, well, which would be assault. And, 
Um, what, so I called the police, the police came and I said, okay, this is, this is what the guy looks like. And they went and found him on the road. Uh, they collected me and my husband cause I went and wake, woke up my husband and I explained to my husband what was going on. And he was like, if I had gone in and woken up my husband, he would have like beat the living snot out of that man. Um, which would have been way worse. <laughs> so technically, um, we couldn't get him for trespassing because he'd been a guest in our home. Um, he'd been invited in by one of the one of one of the people living there. Uh, and if I had for sure said one thing, he would have been sent to jail. And I don't think that this person, that this young man, his intention was to do anything really terrible he was inebriated and at that moment in that moment I decided I'm going to forgive this man right here and right now and I'm going to just let this go and the reason that I did that is because I knew that it, it even though like there, I know that there's people out there like going oh no justice needs to happen and I'm like you know I'm going to let God take care of it because God, um, God will convict that young man's conscience. God will convict him and his heart and what he's been doing. So when, when the police came and then I took the police over to go and talk to, to my uncle and my uncle denied even having left the house that evening. Evening, It took forever to wake him up, like had to physically shake him with the police officer standing there. Like, no, I mean, it's clear that my uncle is like resisting awake, waking up because he knows that something terrible has happened with this guy. And so he denies even knowing the guy. He denies even the guy coming home with him. He denies ever having met him. And the guy was like had details of like everything that my uncle had told him. He knew my uncle's name. Um, he showed the car that he came in, which um, which the engine was still warm. And I looked at the cop and I'm like, yeah. I know he's lying. You know, I know my uncle's lying. So it's like, well, but that's the guy. And so they, they, I don't know what they did with the guy. Um, there were no charges brought against him um, from our side. I mean, he wasn't, he couldn't get picked up for, uh, for vagrancy. He couldn't get picked up for trespassing. And because I wasn't going to say that, um, he he had assaulted me. He wasn't going to be picked up for um, any kind of sexual assault either. Um, in the in the state that I live in, had I said that, um, even if I had reneged at that point in time, um, he would be. They would the state would persecute him on my behalf, even if I had said no. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like it was written, if they really wanted to do that, that they could. And, um, at that time, I know things have changed a bit, but, um, uh, yeah. So, um, so I just, so I, I, I let it go cause I decided to forgive him. So after that, the next day, um, we went down and we got new, um, 
we we went and got new locks for all the doors on the house. Um, my uncle did not receive a key because, and we told him he had a curfew. I mean that he could still live with us, but there was now a curfew, and he didn't have a key to the house, and he wasn't going to get a key until we decided he could have a key. So, um, because of all that. Within in about 18 months after that, he changed. Um, he changed from a very angry person to a very to my, like he became softer. He became um, he would replenish things that he would borrow. He started taking better care of himself and his his animals and um, and actually caring about people around him. And so it was it was um, it was amazing to watch. He was reading his but he began reading his Bible on the regular. He um, would talk about God talking to him. He would um, he 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 really did. He said a lot of really wonderful things. Um, like and there was clearly a um, a a thing going on with him in him where he was changed. Like he was an angry bitter, scared, fearful individual to being a very brave person who um, bravely faced cancer and was fine with going, dying. I mean, the only way that somebody is fine with dying is um, if they, if they know God and, um, and if they have like changed from being angry to exhibiting spirit, like, Gifts of the spirit, um, like, uh, well, gifts of, um, like, uh, the ones that are in Galatians, uh, 5, 20, 21, um, the, the fruit of the spirit, that the fruit of the spirit is peace and patience and kindness and self-control. And he was exhibiting a lot of those. And he went from drinking a lot to, sometimes getting a little bit inebriated and being not nearly as bitter or angry over things. And it was amazing. But I do believe that, um, that forgiving him and walking in forgiveness with him was a big, uh, and with walking in forgiveness with the, the guy was a, um, was a key point in that all, um, changing. Did, did, did me forgiving that young man, um, make what he did okay? No. Um, did me forgiving and not persecuting him for doing what he did, does that is that okay on my part? And I know there, there's a lot of people go, no, justice needs to happen. I'm, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. You know, I, I really believe that the blood of Jesus Christ is extended to people uh, before they get saved. And if they don't know it, before 
how can they know it if it if forgiveness isn't extended to them at some point i would love to end up in heaven and have a, a young man came, come to me and say you know because you forgave me and you didn't i am sent me on a path to where i now know jesus christ and my life is my life was changed because of that one instance like you know well not just because of that one instance but because of probably several others as well but um i mean these are the sorts of things that where i forgave my uncle for um for bringing that guy home you know, I didn't harbor any animosity to towards my uncle. I still um, was still kind to him, still spoke to him, still um, treated him like family. It's just that he's not, wasn't given a key to the house. That it doesn't mean just because just because I forgive you doesn't mean that I am. We're not going to enable that i mean if he wanted to leave he could if he wanted to move out he could he could have and if he had he would have been homeless and so he was kind of like in a rock and a hard spot and so it was either he changed he changed um either he changed and that the way that he figured he needed to be changed was with through god or that um that uh or he, or he had to leave the house. And sometimes it's easier to stay in the house and change than it is to leave because knowing that out there it's a whole lot worse. Um, yeah. So um, I'm sure that there are several of you out there that are going, oh, well, that, that sounds, you know, that sounds appropriate, you know. If, if you've got somebody that is, you know, wreck, wrecking ransack in your life and needs a curfew, the easiest way to do it is to um, lock your doors and say, okay, your room is here and there's no key to the house, but you can live here and your your stuff can be here, but... You and your stuff can be here, but um, these are these are the parameters in which you must abide by. These are the rules. And I think that one of the rules for that God has given us is that if we want to stay, is that we must also extend forgiveness to other people. And now forgiveness is not an easy thing. I'm 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 gonna say that right here and right now because um, if I <sighs> If if I said that forgiveness was easy, I'd be lying to you. Forgiveness is not easy because the the pain that um, it causes is awful. Um, because I chose to forgive um, there, uh, my I didn't have to deal with a sense of. I, I did have to deal with a sense of um, losing my privacy, losing my safety, you know, a sense of security. Um, I, I had to deal with all of those things. Um, and if I if I said that I didn't, I'd be lying to you because I did. And it did affect me. But because I chose to forgive the depths of those, 
was not nearly as terrible because I had to place my trust and my safety in God. And in fact, it made my um, my strength, my strength became came from God over this whole thing because there's no way that I would have been able to do anything like that. I mean, because how could I hold unforgiveness towards another person who is doing things not even with their full mind when Christ has forgiven me of so much and the things that I have been through um, and the things that I have done and yet Christ chose to forgive me and he's not just choosing to forgive me he's choosing to forgive this person as well and if I if I recognize that Christ so loved the world that he forgave me, but he also forgave that man. Why would I not extend that same forgiveness to that young man, to my uncle, to any other person who has hurt me or harmed me in my life? Um, I've been horribly bullied and I've had to work through all that forgiveness, forgiveness of those people, um, which harbored a lot of unforgiveness for several years in, in, in junior high and high school um, towards towards a lot towards my bullies um but i it is my hope that they um that i have forgiven them but it is my hope that they in turn find forgiveness from christ now i haven't been able to i that is it's not where you like run up to people and go oh i forgive you it's it's like between god you and God, because we, we live in a fallen world and we're going to, we wade through garbage every day and we wade through unforgiveness and sin. And so we are just going to have to forgive each other for stuff, people that are saved and unsaved alike. Um, since, well, what, what do you mean unsaved people? Well, yeah, unsaved people too. Because Christ loved us so much that he forgave us before, well, even while we were enemies. And so if a person is my enemy, they're, they're not an enemy because of, um, not, not because, not really because of, of you or me, but they're an enemy because they're rejecting God and they're rejecting, they, they don't know that there's, that there's a bigger enemy at, at, at work one and that they don't know that they don't know that God has already um, offered us the, the opportunity for redemption and for salvation and for reconciliation with God and with each other. And so it is important for me as, um, as a believer that I forgive not only those that have harmed me that are brothers and sisters in Christ, but I forgive those that don't yet know Christ in the hopes that through me offering forgiveness that they get a taste of the forgiveness of Christ has to offer them through the cross. And that's what that's my hope. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope that you in turn think about that and think about how to forgive people in your life and to offer that same forgiveness of the, of the cross to the people in your life as well. And the people that you do know and that you don't know and to pray for 
that they may understand and taste the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you can email me at uh, talk to me at unchurch.net. And sometimes I read my emails, sometimes I don't. Um, but if I if I get if I get around to it, <laughs> sorry, I um, I just had a joke in my head that is totally not out here. But um, if I had a round in my hand, then I could get around to the email. Anyway, um, so yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> now I'm joking around lamely. <laughs> um, yeah. So I my hope is that. Uh, that uh, if you want to contact me you can uh, continue to read your bible continue to uh, love jesus and love each other and pray for one another i heard somebody say that somewhere and i think it's important all right see you next week